Matthew, our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John in chapter 17. And to set the stage before we approach the Word in chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, we have this huge panoply of the, the, the things that occur during the Last Supper, during Jesus' last night on earth. And of course, the apostles were clueless. They got no idea. It's just another Passover. It's just another Seder. Jesus is presiding. Isn't that kind of cool? But Jesus has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He knows that this will be the last. And if you knew today that tonight's meal would be your last dinner with the people that you love the most, what would you say? What would you pray? And we're going to gain some insight into that, and I think there's a message in it for us. The thing that strikes me about No Longer Bound is that No Longer Bound started with a purpose, and that purpose was to transform the lives of men through a relationship with the love of Jesus Christ. And not only was there a purpose, there was a process, a process that men moved through through to be able to get to the point where they can heal. And like all purposes and processes, there's a huge payoff at the end. And I think God's message to us today deals with a purpose, a process, and a payoff. And if y'all don't mind, all this stuff I prepared, it's no good. God's Word says it all. Let us approach the scripture, and in, as is our custom, please stand as you are able for the hearing and the reading of God's word. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 20, begins, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you love me. Father, I want those that you have given to me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory. The glory that you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Ladies and gentlemen, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen.
city. Let us pray. Father God, we gather here to worship you and to reconnect, Father, with your life-giving word, with your spirit, Father, proclaimed and, and taught. And Father God, I confess that I'm neither worthy nor capable of delivering this message without the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I ask for an anointing over this this congregation, and Father, my giving of your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart may be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Um, I, I referred to the Last Supper where the context of, of this prayer Church scholars call it the high priestly prayer because Jesus is acting as the high priest of the church at the risk of upsetting a bunch of people who like the Lord's prayer that we get in Matthew and Luke. It's kind of the people's prayer, isn't it? The people asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And so Jesus gave them what they wanted. But here, Jesus is doing something different. Faced with betrayal, beating, treachery, condemnation, and death. Jesus is praying that God may be glorified. He's praying for himself. He's praying for the apostles who will soon be leaderless. And he's praying for us. And prior to that prayer, in his last chance to teach his disciples, Jesus says, guys, this is the last thing I'm going to give you. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. In John chapter 14, somewhere around verse 33, 23, something like that. Don't quote me on this. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another. Love one another just as I have loved you. And it's in the context of this new commandment that Jesus gives this final prayer. It's in the context of love. Now, on Wednesday, we're going to celebrate love, right? Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, no extra charge for that, okay? We're going to spend, as a society, about $19.6 billion to celebrate romantic love for one day. I think Jesus is talking about a different kind of love here. Matter of fact, the early church father, Tertullian, the Archbishop of Carthage, bet y'all did not know that, huh? Right? In one of his treatises, he, uh, he imagined a church that was so full of God's love that the pagans, the people of the world, would look at that church and go, look at how those Christians love one another. And that's what Jesus wanted. 
And if uh, how well we love one another is the barometer for how the church is doing and completing its mission, how are we doing? As the global church, as the local church, night of the Last Supper, Jesus prays for God's glory first. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And then he prays for himself. He says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had with you before the world began. You see, Jesus was willing to face the cross for the payoff that lie beyond the glory that I had with you before the world began. Just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And Jesus prayed for his disciples. He says, I will no longer be in the world, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And finally, in our passage of Scripture, Jesus prayed for us. Yep, you, me, Parkway. The church throughout eternity, the church in the present day, the church until he returns. Jesus prays for his church. He says it is not for them alone. Talking about the apostles It's not for the apostles alone, I pray, but I pray for those who will believe in me through the message that these people send. That'd be us. Two thousand years ago, Jesus prayed for us. What did he pray? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I'm in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So that the world may believe that you sent me, and he's not done there yet. Go to verse 23 in case you missed it. May they, the church, be brought into complete unity so that the world will know that you have sent me. And that you have loved them even as you love me. We hear Emery's testimony. We talk about this feeling of a lack of love and the impact that that has on your life. How powerful a message that God loves you and me as much as he loved Jesus. And how many people need to hear that word? And yet the church to an outsider, dude, I grew up way outside the church, okay? 
And when I, in 1993, got invited to church, my knees were shaking, my teeth were quaking, and I did not want to go. Afraid all that judgment, because I knew how bad I was. And I was met with love. And I felt at home. To let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Think about that. Isn't that the promise that we're given? Aren't we told that when we accept Jesus Christ that we are inherited into the family, that we are children of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ? That's a pretty good place to be. And so as we sit here and we think about, you know, one of the things that's happening in our life, we're going through a new stage, we're in a new chapter, we're going to a new place as a church. And as a church, we need to become attractive enough to get new people to want to become a part of who we are and what we do. And we need to be healthy enough to have a pastor want to come and do the rest of his ministry with us and lead us. And to do that, we've got to have a purpose. You see, I'm a big believer in three things. I believe in a purpose, a process, and a payoff. You can get great things done. Look what No Longer Bound has done. they got a purpose. They got a process, and the payoff is huge. And I think the same thing lies in front of us. So what is the path, what's the purpose that Jesus would have us have for this church? Well, what's our purpose now? Hi, folks. I got a parkway. We are a friendly, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, prayerful church. We got traditional and contemporary services want to visit right pretty cool not bad something's missing in there because anybody any church can say that can't they what's jesus purpose for his church so that the world may know that god sent me and not just that the world may believe, but the world will know that God sent me. I'm Mr. Smarty Pants Preacher for a day. How do we do that? Well, that's pretty cool, too, because Jesus tells us. You see, grab verse 21. Jesus prays that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus is praying for unity. And in case we missed it, in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, 
and you and me. So that we may be brought into complete unity. Guys, I want you to stop and think about this. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose. And that purpose was to restore you and me into a right relationship with God. That was why he came. And think about what he had to do to do that. And so for him to be able to go through with that, he and God had to be on the same page, same purpose, same principles, same understanding of what the outcome would be. He and God were completely aligned, and God is calling us through Jesus into that same kind of unity, that same kind of common purpose that makes a difference in a world that needs to feel loved. Imagine you sending done you. Yeah, I got it. It is easy to say. How do we do it? Jesus tells them in verse 22, I in them, you in me. Seems reasonable to me that if we're going to get more Jesus in us, we got to get some of the us out of us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know about y'all. I have an ocular condition. I have an eye disease. I am my favorite subject. I am my favorite authority. I have an opinion about everything. I think I know what's best for anybody in any given situation. And I think y'all should agree with me. And for me to subordinate the I, I have got to yield to a higher authority. And Jesus is calling on us, and what Jesus promises is when we let more Jesus in us, he's bringing God with him. Because they're inseparable. And when we got more Jesus in us and we are in one accord with Jesus and God for their purpose for the church, big things are going to happen. And we're in a situation right now where we got to make some decisions about how we go forward and we're not always going to agree. And so the next time we get into that situation where we got a difference of opinion with Mr. Bozo know-it-all, you know, across the room that has a different opinion than ours and is obviously wrong, right? Y'all know who I'm talking about. What's Christ call us to do? Well, I gave them the glory that you gave to me. What's that glory? Keys to the kingdom of God. Membership in God's family. Sonship, being a co-heir with Christ, being restored as the prodigal is restored into a right relationship with God. What is that? What's that glory? But Jesus gave it to us through himself in us. And so when Mr. Jerk know-it-all disagrees with you, just remember Jesus died for him too. And he's calling us to be in unity. Not once, not twice, three times in his prayer for this church. 
How do we do that? We love one another. Not romantic love, not Valentine's Day love, not story gay love, family love, not phileo love, brotherly love, agape love. Hope I said that right. A love that comes from God and Christ's passion for mankind. That they would go to such lengths to restore us to a right relationship. That their purpose was to save the world through the process of Christ sacrificing himself. And if they're willing to do that for us, can we not just learn to get along together so that the world will look at our church and know and believe that God sent Jesus and that God loves each and every one of us regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done as much as he loved his son Jesus Christ. Purpose that the world may believe and that the world will know. Process, love one another, be in Christ. Oh yeah, payoff. It's there. Verse 24. Verse 24 tells us, Father, I want those that you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. The glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Remember that God loves you even as he loves Jesus, even before the creation of the world. And when we teach that, and when we preach that, and when we live that, how significant does that make us? The least of us, the last of us. Now, I apologize because sometimes the NIV kind of makes plain vanilla something that's even more powerful in another version. Another translation of that same passage suggests that, Father, Jesus is saying, it is my will, it is my intent, it is my objective for those that you have given me to be where I am. And not to see my glory, but to share in my glory. The glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. The person you're arguing with, the person you disagree with, God loved them before the creation of the world. Too. Hey, Ben, I go to Parkway. You know, at Parkway, we exist so that the world may believe that God sent Jesus Christ. And that the world will know that God loves you and me as much as he loves his son Jesus. And the way that we do that is by loving one another so much that together, in unity, we can serve ourselves, serve each other, serve the community, and serve the world. And by the way, we're a friendly, Bible-loving, Bible-teaching, prayerful church. Want to visit? You see... 
when we lose our purpose, we just kind of spend 